Welcome to Women on Wealth, a podcast by women for women. Our mission is to empower women to embrace the discussion around wealth, demystify finance and market-related topics, and break down the emotions that surround these decisions. Your host is Julina Ogilvie, Partner and Wealth Advisor with Principal Wealth Partners. She's a certified private wealth advisor and a certified investment management analyst with over 25 years of industry experience. Welcome to Women on Wealth. The following is a webinar that was recorded with slides. If you would like to access these slides, please go to julinaogilvie.com, select the video link. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy this very insightful discussion. Welcome to the March monthly update from Principal Wealth Partners. I'm Julina Ogilvie, Partner and Wealth Advisor, joined once again by Bob, with Bob Paolucci, our founder and CEO. Bob, we are back at a very interesting time. Uh, we were planning this monthly update, and as we were doing so over the weekend, we found out that there were three unique bank liquidity issues. Uh, the most popular one being on Friday with Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, really, we haven't seen one this size since the financial crisis, uh, followed by two more. So we thought we would kick off this presentation addressing uh, what happened, why is it unique, and what are some of the implications that we should be aware of, if that's fair. Sounds like a plan. And uh, just a reminder that nothing creates investor and depositor and market fear like um, banking issues, right? This goes back to the savings and loan crisis of the late 80s, mm -hmm. the financial crisis of uh, 2007 and eight and nine, uh, where there were massive bank failures, uh, primarily because of toxic investments and toxic mortgage-backed securities. Um, today, it's very different, very, very different. And uh, let's let's talk about it. Okay, sounds great. Uh, I know we have prepared a couple of slides that are talking about the banking issues, so let's pull those up. Yeah, so so the bank that's been in the news, if everyone's been listening, is a bank called Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley Bank was a very unique bank, a major lender uh, to um, venture capital companies. So um, new companies in the uh, tech sector, the biotech sector, um, venture capital companies, uh, which are private equity funding companies, um, would uh, help some of these private companies become bigger companies and eventually go public. So um, there was a bank, obviously, in Silicon Valley that would cater to the uh, deposits and operating accounts needed of any business, um, but very specific to uh, these types of businesses. And they would also lend money to these same businesses. Now, the requirement at Silicon Valley Bank was unique, um, not unheard of, but unique. Because this bank was going to deal with large sums of money um, and actually lend out to these new businesses, they required that uh, those businesses keep all of their cash at this bank. So Silicon Valley, Valley Bank has existed for about three decades um, it wasn't a mom and pop bank. Uh, their depositors were businesses primarily. Um, and most of the deposits at Silicon Valley Bank were in excess of $250,000. And I know that sounds like a lot, but you have to think about it this way. 
when a lot of these technology, small technology companies have to, you know, make payroll, right? Their payroll might be 10 million a month. So it's very common for business clients to have way more than the $250,000 FDIC limit in a bank account. Mm -hmm. uh, because weekly money is millions are coming in and out of these accounts, right? Does that yeah. makes sense. Absolutely. So Silicon Valley Bank, very unique. You don't see many banks like this um, in the country. They were uh, they were in a bit of a pickle because um, uh, these institutions, uh, these these technology institutions, um, VC companies, were you know pulling more money out. Uh, to to pay their staff, they weren't having as much money come in um, because you know obviously earnings for those types of companies are down. It's not the best environment for those types of companies to make a lot of money. So there have been a lot of withdrawals in essence, um, and not as many deposits coming in. And then late last week, uh, Thursday into Friday. Um, there was a bit of a run on that bank where all of these small to mid-sized businesses were just taking money out because rumor has it silicon valley bank um uh was looking at a liquidity issue right they didn't plan ahead they didn't think that 20 30 40 50 billion dollars would come out that week um, and what banks typically do is they have their excess reserves, the deposits that people and institutions make, they invest them in very liquid treasury bills and bonds, um, some government mortgage-backed securities, all that stuff. All are very valuable. Again, they weren't investing in junk mortgages. They weren't investing in garbage securities. Those regulations have changed. Um, so all of the excess capital that these banks have, really think about it, they're in the government bond market whether yep. it's short-term bonds, intermediate-term bonds, long-term bonds. Right. The problem, Julina, is uh, with some of these regulations that the banks have, um, banks have, let's say, two accounts where they put these bonds. They have, a, have an account that is dedicated to holding these bonds until maturity, and they have an account that's available for sale at all times, okay? So when Silicon Valley Bank sold bonds to create the cash flow that they needed, they had to sell bonds at a slight discount, about a 10% discount. Why? Well, because the bonds that they sold had a lower rate than current interest rates are today. And because of that, those bonds look slightly less attractive. Yes, they're government bonds. Yes, they wanted to hold them to maturity. But in a pinch, they had to sell them. And if you sell a 2% bond in a 4% environment, your bond's going to come down a little bit in value. Right. So Silicon Valley Bank was left with a $2 billion shortfall. This is a $200 billion bank. They were left with this tiny $2 billion shortfall. So on Friday, they tried to raise capital to fulfill that $2 billion shortfall, and they couldn't do it. So what did they do? They had to call the FDIC and the FDIC said, hands off, stop the presses, stop everything. And then the FDIC, in essence, took over the bank. That was Friday night into this weekend. Right. So this issue with the banks, this is not an 08 
09 issue. This is not toxic securities. This is not a solvency issue. This is a liquidity issue. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So the bank was not able to turn securities into cash quick enough. Yeah. And because of that, they had to report that to the FDIC. And here you have um, the government now handling the deposits of this bank. Oh. All of those depositors at Silicon Valley Bank are going to get their money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the government stepped in on Sunday to say, okay, this is a very different situation um, that this bank is facing and maybe one or two or three other smaller banks across the country might be facing. Um, and it's really due to the Fed increasing interest rates so quickly and by so much that the bonds that all these banks uh, want to sell are worth slightly less. Right. That makes sense? Absolutely. Okay. So what the Fed did is they um, announced the program for these banks to exchange those slightly discounted government securities back to the government at full face value. So there is no discount when you do this swap and for these banks to have full access to cash. In a weird way, Jelena, this is the Fed saying, oh, we're the ones who created this by moving rates. Um, we didn't think about this. We were solely focused on employment and inflation. And um, uh, we apologize. We're here to help. So that is what happened. Now, the questions that our listeners might be asking, uh, is my cash okay at my local bank? Yes, your cash is okay at your local bank. Again, this is a very, very unique situation um, that maybe a few banks are exposed to. Um, none more exposed than Silicon Valley Bank uh, because of the nature of their client base, which is mostly businesses, and uh, the fact that most of the depositors, how about this one? Most of the depositors have more than the $250,000 FDIC limit. Sure. Yeah. So, um, yes, your local banks uh, uh, should be just fine. Again, again, if you want to be more cautious, if you have more than $250,000 um, in a bank account, you can talk to your bank about how to re-register your accounts. In other words, if Julina, you and I had a joint account, that account with me first and you second would be covered for $250,000. We can open up a second joint account with you first and me second, and that would be an additional $250,000 worth of coverage. So talk to your bank if you do have any concerns. However, I should point out that any cash held with us uh, through our custodian Fidelity Investments, our, uh, the cash account that our clients have through Fidelity is 100% backed by US government securities. There is no price change, completely liquid, and there is no limit to the guarantee provided by the government. On top of that, there is north of a 4% yield. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, Bob, thank you for all that detail. And I, I would also stress that what your comment just now on how unique Silicon Valley is, when you look at this loan to deposit ratio that we have up on the screen, they're down on the far right, well away from the other banks. That is correct. Um, you know, there there was this small bank in New York, um, Signature Bank New York, it was called. They had um, cryptocurrency related issues. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they were also taken over by the FDIC. And then the the trigger for most of this, I actually think, was going back to Wednesday, this tiny banking institution called Silvergate Capital went out of business. Um, they were solely focused on the cryptocurrency market, right? And as you can imagine, that area of the market, um, I hate to even call it a market, but cryptocurrency related activities have um, decreased dramatically. And that market has um, you know, become quite frozen. So any of those small banks that were solely focused on you know, the wave of the future that is cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're in harm's way. Um, but again, th- th- that's not going to be your mom and pop bank. That's not going to be your local community bank servicing, you know, uh, a diverse group of people and businesses. Um, these are very unique institutions. Absolutely. And, and Bob, not only did the banking regulators approve um, all of this very quickly, but the Federal Reserve also stepped in, as you mentioned, which is unique. And I understand that they're offering loans to these businesses as well. Uh, that That is correct. And, and that's what they actually announced on Sunday. So Jerome Powell is the one who really crafted this plan, saying, look, we uh, we understand what we did. Um, we created a liquidity crunch where banks of all sizes, if they had to sell their government bonds that they bought over the past two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, mm-hmm. if they needed to sell those bonds, those bonds have lower coupon rates than what's being offered today to provide a market offset for the lower coupon. You could still sell the bond in, in the market but you're not going to get as much because new interest rates are higher. Correct. So if you're going to sell a lower interest rate bond, you're not going to get par value back. You're going to get slightly less than par value. Mm-hmm. So the Fed has created this lending facility for all banks um, where they can take those treasuries issued by the Fed yeah. um, and place them with the Fed. And the Fed will just wait until they mature. Um, in exchange for cash at the banks. Right. Very simple. And again, it's it's for banks that need to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, really for any bank that needs to take advantage of it. However, that doesn't um, that doesn't quiet the narrative of there was a run on a bank or two or three. Um, and that there's fear in the banking institutions again. So you're seeing a little bit of market volatility, specifically in the financial s- sector, where, you know, generally speaking, as of right now, all of the banks are down in value. So meaning they're them as a, a publicly traded company, the shares of their stock, they're all down because of the uncertainty. I do think that that creates opportunity, just like it did in 08 and 09. Um, right. I, there's certainly risk, and I think the risk is really around the lower tier banks who did not have chief risk officers, smart CFOs, a proper allocation of how much to put in that um, hold to maturity bucket versus available for sale bucket, right? Exactly. Um, it's just like running your own finances. How much do you put in savings you know, to be held for a rainy day? How much do you put in your working capital account? And, you know, to simply summarize it, some of these banks are uh, being sold off 
because of the amount they have in their working operating account versus their savings account, where it needs to be moved over, uh, really wasn't maybe as much as needed. Okay. Not that big a deal, but it does create a bit of a liquidity issue short term. Absolutely. And I think just one more point to drive home what you said before, which is so critical in this conversation, is that this was not a mom and pop type of bank. Exactly. Exactly. So if you look at the breakdown, this is the Silicon Valley um, breakdown of deposit funding. Mm-hmm. So you see that the largest exposure that this bank had was to early stage tech companies, um, uh, tech companies that are just beyond early stage life sciences and biotech companies. They had um, some international exposure, uh, U.S. global fund banking exposure, private bank exposure. So um, again, a, the vast majority of their deposits come from institutions and the majority of their deposits come from the venture capital-like uh, companies. So you typically don't see this mix um, anywhere, yeah. uh, but with Silicon Valley Bank. That's great. Thank you for going through that. Mm-hmm. And and you also mentioned earlier that this certainly has implications um, into the market. If you can maybe talk a little bit more about what that looks like. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> you know, to fully explain to you maybe why money is flowing out of banks, um, I think we all can see that our checking and savings accounts yield us very little, right? It went from a yield of almost zero to a yield of maybe, maybe if you're lucky, one half of 1%. Mm -hmm. At a time where if you've been listening to us, we've been buying short-term treasuries for our clients. We're telling you about our money market through Fidelity that yields about four and a half, four and a quarter percent. Um, When there's such a spread between what, your bank is paying you for your deposits of less than one half of 1%, probably even lower. And what you can get if you buy short-term treasuries, which are guaranteed with no limit, mind you, right? it's creating this drawdown of deposits from the banks, right? Exactly. The biggest banks understand how this works and they allocate their operating accounts, their liquidity accounts appropriately. Um, but some of them, um, some of them don't. <laughs> and that creates a temporary shortfall. It's more of a, again, a liquidity crunch than it is a solvency issue. These banks have the money. Silicon Valley Bank has the money. They just had a sh- funding shortfall. But because of that, the FDIC had to come in. So all those depositors will get their money back. Um, you know, under 250, much quicker, over 250, you know, um, it won't take that long, but they, they will get access. Yeah. Um, and, and would you also agree, Bob, that the, the money that, that flowed into the banks, especially during the pandemic were at extremely high levels that we had never seen before? Absolutely. Right. So if you think about the PPP loans, the forgiveness, the employer retention credits, a lot of these government uh, programs uh, that were available to businesses Mm -hmm. on top of private equity funding of startups and new businesses and new ideas, there's just been a massive amount of capital um, uh, being deposited at banks. 
uh, whether it's coming from the government or private equity into these institutions, all that cash was created and it has to go somewhere. So Silicon Valley Bank, I don't have the slide up here, uh, but them specifically, they had about 19 billion in deposits as of about three years ago. And as of about three weeks ago, they had uh, almost 200 billion. Amazing. So, I mean, just that's just a massive shift. Sure. So how they were depositing those dollars behind the scenes, allocating to government securities, and how much goes into savings and how much goes into the operating account. Again, it was very hard for them to figure out mm-hmm. the right mix because it just happened. Right. Um, and, you know, I think uh, across the banking universe in the United States, um, certainly a lot of that cash inflow has happened. Um, but a, according to the various charts, most of those banks have kept a lot more um, in their operating account in the event that there was a drawdown of, of, of money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. so certainly the dynamic of, you know, the, uh, pandemic influenced, um, financial support, fiscal support, the PPP loans, the employer retention credits, um, the creation of a lot of cash mm-hmm. certainly made it more challenging for those, um, not so experienced banks to allocate capital appropriately. Right. Okay. That's great. Absolutely. And I think, Bob, the, the one thing I would also stress that we continue uh, to to discuss is going into 2023, you were very vocal to say the equity markets will continue to kind of move around in the first half of this year. So everything that we've seen so far this year has not been a surprise. Absolutely. It's it's what we expected. Yeah. Um, the, the banking situation with these small banks... Um, yeah. The Fed was going to break something, moving interest rates from just about nothing to exactly. just about 5%. Right. And, and here here we find the broken piece, which is a few banks. Yeah. Um, and I think for them, that's the limit. That's great, for sure. So, Bob, thank you once again for all the insight. No, thank you, Juliana. Please see the disclosures in the description of the podcast. This is not investment advice and should not be construed as such. Thank you for listening to Women on Wealth, by women, for women. Stay up to date by subscribing to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, please visit www.julinaogilvie.com or join us on Facebook and LinkedIn.